again, I appreciate everybody being here, and I'm just happy to be in the Lord's house. Today will be our last sermon out of First Peter, and then for the next two weeks, I'll preach on Christmas. Now, I don't know about you, and I may be wrong, and correct me if I am, but it does not feel like Christmas, does it? Uh, I was outside yesterday, and it was 60 degrees, and uh, I was just scratching my head, and, and this morning even I was driving into town and saw the Church of Christ sign down the road here, and it said December 5th, 50 degrees at, at six, 6 o'clock in the morning, so that kind of blew my mind, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, and we'll turn our Bibles this morning to the book of First Peter, the book of First Peter, chapter number 5, and we'll finish this up as best we can this morning and uh, get to a few verses uh, I've enjoyed the book of, of First Peter. Now remember what this was all about was Peter was preparing the church for persecution. And he was preparing them for what was about to happen. Hadn't started really happening that bad yet, but, but it was about to happen to them. And one of Peter's last, uh, one of his last statements or one of the last subjects that he covers is the first thing he's going to do is he's going to talk to uh, the, what he calls the elders, he refers to as the elders of the church. And then he's going to talk to another group. And, and really, if I was preaching at a pastor's conference, I might preach the first few verses. We are going to read them, uh, but we'll get to the, the latter verses in this. So if you found First Peter chapter 5, if you're able, I would ask you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the first seven verses. First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 1. If you're there, please say Amen. And the Bible says this, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples or in samples here to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And again, we're so thankful to be here this morning. And God, never let us uh, overlook the fact that we're able to come and meet together and be in your house. And God, thank you for the folks that are here and those that have put forth the effort to be here. That might have been a little difficult for them to be here this morning. But God, I pray that you would bless them. And Lord, I just pray that if folks are watching on the internet, Lord, that you would help them, be with them. And God, just, just bless them as only you can. And God, as we look into your word, Lord, we ask for uh, anointed preaching this morning. God, I ask that you would help me but God, I pray that you would help people to listen with anointed ears this morning. And Lord, that you would open people's ears and, and not only open their ears, but open their hearts to receive your word. 
And God, that we could draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The elders which are among you. Just as a as sort of a, a funny icebreaker here this morning. How many of you consider yourself to be elders? I'm just curious. About, about three people raised their hand. And... Uh, <laughs> and y'all, y'all that, that's funny, right? Because uh, when you say elders, it, it seems like the older you get, that, that elders seems younger and younger, right? Uh, you know, like, or it seems older and older, I should say, you know. You, and, and some of you probably should have raised your hand, but in this context, we, we laugh at that. But the elders he's actually speaking to here, there's, there's some controversy among Bible scholars, and I'm not really going to get too deep into this, but most would believe that the elders he's referring to is actually the leaders of the church. In this context, now as Free Will Baptists, we don't necessarily have what we call elders. We have uh, the office of pastor, we have the office of deacon, uh, and in this church we have the office of trustee, and those are sort of the people he's referring to here. And the, the elders, not not necessarily an older person. Usually it is, but but it doesn't have to be. And he gives us instructions, and these verses are very pertinent to me and uh, Brother Mark and Brother Caleb. And actually, we've got two preachers out preaching this morning. This would, this would fit them as well, to feed the flock of God. Now, I will say this, that as the pastor of this church, it is my responsibility to feed the flock of God. Now, it's your responsibility as, as members of this church or as people that, to, that attend this church to go home and feed yourselves too, Amen. That, that you should be in the Word of God, that you should be in prayer constantly. But as the pastor, it's my job to make sure that you get a steady diet of the Word of God. And it's so important. And so as the pastor, that's my job, my job in particular. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. He said, but not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And then he says this, neither as being lords... Over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Now I, I look around and, and I study pastors, I study preachers, and it's it, it's almost it's kind of comical, but it's a, it's almost a hobby of mine to study people and what they do and how they act. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen a lot of preachers that act like little lords in their church. Would you say, hey, have you ever seen a preacher like that? Or seen a pastor like that? I hope none of you think that, that I fit that bill. And if you do, then pray for me, please. Because I would never want to lord over anybody. Because we follow God. We follow the leadership of God. Amen? And then it says in verse number 4 that when the chief shepherd shall appear, that's the Lord Himself, Jesus, that we will receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And again, since I'm not preaching a pastor's conference, I'm not going to get too deep into this. But what I would like to focus in on this morning is it's interesting to me that Peter kind of brings this out, brings this to the surface and focuses in on this subject that, that none of us like to talk about. None of us like to say that we deal with this, but I think we do. He says, likewise, ye younger now, this could be anybody. Uh, it could be anybody that's not an elder, basically. Submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another. But then there's a clause with that. 
Now I would like to read Philippians chapter 2 verse number 3 in light of this. The Apostle Paul says something similar. When Peter says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. If you remember a couple of weeks back, I actually preached on subjection to the government. Y'all remember that? Some of you don't remember that, but, but I preached on that. So we understand what subjection is. It's actually just, just kind of just listening to or falling in line with. And then, but Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 verse number 3, let nothing... Be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. And the church here, like I said, this is, a, this is about to be a persecuted church. So why would Peter take the time to focus in on this? Why would Peter take the time to talk about the subject that we're about to, to handle? Because this is, again, this is a very difficult thing to talk about. But he says this, And be clothed with what? With humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. This morning, for just a few minutes, I want to... I'm going to preach about the, the, the problem with pride. Now, nobody in here, I, 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 at least I hope not, would stand up and say, you know what, I'm, I consider myself to be a prideful person. Now, there's a difference in sinful pride and pride that is not sinful. Let me explain to you what pride looks like that is not sinful. When we started this service, we had Daniel and Victoria to come up here and bring their baby up and show that baby off. Now, I don't know about you, but as I stood right here about in this spot and looked at them, I saw some proud parents, didn't you? And rightfully so, amen? Because the, the parents, they, you should be proud of your children, amen? As a parent, you, you should be proud of them. You're not always going to be proud of what they do, amen? As a parent, you're not always going to say, well, I'm proud of what my child did, but, but those parents, they were proud parents. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being proud of your children and being proud of your family and, and, and all this, but the, the problem comes when, when pride takes a turn for the worse. He says this, that God resists the proud. Now, what is, what is being proud? What, what is pride? It, it, pride is simply... This, it's just showing yourself above others. My aunt used to tell her children when she was growing up, and, and when they were growing up, I'm sorry, she was growing up with them, but she would tell them, she would say this, you are not better than anybody else, and nobody else is better than you. Would you say amen to that? And sometimes we don't think that way. And what we do as, as, as human beings, as, as people that were created in the image of God and yet we suffer under the curse of sin, is a lot of times what we're, we're guilty of is we're guilty of comparing ourselves to other people. We begin to look at others and we begin to, to look at them and, and figure out what they're doing and what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong. And we start measuring ourselves up to others. And many times what we'll do is we'll find somebody that we consider to perhaps be inferior to us in some way. And we'll measure ourselves up to them and we'll say, well, you know what, I've got pride in this because I'm, I'm this and this and this. And, and when that happens, then guess what? It's a sin. I'm going to read you a verse 
from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 16. Many of you know this verse by heart. And, and we like to, to quote this. But Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon is writing to his son, Absalom. And he says this. He says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him. Number one, a proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Now we think about hands that shed innocent blood and we automatically think about things like abortion and things like murder and and all these things that go on wrong in our world and a lying tongue. I mean, nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes to be lied about and nobody likes to listen to a liar talk to them. But it says that the things that God hates, number one, is a proud look. That if you would like to put yourself at odds with Almighty God, The only thing that you have to do is to allow pride to sneak into your life. It's not that you have to go out and and commit a bunch of sins that we think of as sins. You don't have to go out and, and rob and steal and kill and destroy and do all these awful things. But all you have to do is just have pride in your heart. And if you do that, then guess what happens? According to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5, that if you allow pride into your life, that God will begin to resist you. That's scary, isn't it? Does that, does, does that scare anybody besides me to think that if, if I allow pride in my life in some way that, that God will actually resist? What does a re- resist mean? It means to push away from somebody. If somebody's resisting arrest, they're trying to push the cops back. So it says that God actually will resist the proud. Well, what does pride look like? Where does pride manifest itself in our life? I mean, we think about, like I said, we think about being proud of our children. Nothing wrong with that. Even being proud of some of your accomplishments may not be bad. I mean, if if you went to a war and won a medal and you're proud of that medal, you have a right to be proud of that medal. If you've worked hard and, and, and you've, you know, built a house and maybe you can be proud of that home and maybe the hard work, but when it takes over your life, then it's a problem. It says actually here that we are to be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. He's actually quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 verse number 24 or 34. It says, Surely he being God scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace to the lowly. The book of James, James quotes the same thing that God resists the proud. But what does pride look like? Pride is the power of I. Pride is look at me. Pride is look at what I've done. Here's a little comical story about somebody that was proud of their accomplishments. A couple of years ago, back in, uh, back in 2017, what's more than a couple, maybe four years ago, there was a young lady... And she was 17 years old. And, uh, it, and she went into a bank and robbed the bank. She did it. She t- found a gun. She went in there, put a mask on, and robbed the bank. Now, could you imagine being a bank teller getting robbed by a 17-year-old girl? That would be crazy, wouldn't it? But she robs the bank, 
And then she proceeds, after she robs the bank, to go home, take her money. The cops didn't really have a lead. I mean, she, she pretty much got away with it for the moment. And she was proud of what she had done. She was happy about it. And so she goes home and she, she grabs her cell phone. And she takes her cell phone, and uh, a lot of you younger people will know what this is. Any, any of you older people seen younger people doing this? Uh, she started taking pictures of herself. And then she reached in her bag, and she pulled out all that money. And you know how much she had robbed the bank for? $6,000, okay? That's how much she had robbed the bank for. So she pulls out this $6,000, and she fans it out there, and she holds this money up in front of her phone and takes a picture and then posts it to Instagram. And, uh, and under the picture, she put, I'm going to pay off all my student loans, and I'm going to buy me a new car. I'm thinking, sister, with $6,000, you better not have much in student loans and you better not have high expectations for a car either. And the police find this. One of her friends took it to the police and she was proud of her accomplishment and look where it got her. Got her, in, got her arrested. She was tried as an adult and had to go to prison because she was, she was so, I don't know what different word to say other than she was just dumb. To be so proud of herself for robbing a bank of $6,000, going to pay off her student loans and buy a new car. And it, and it says the younger, the younger. And, and I don't know, I'm not trying to pick on anybody that's young, and, and don't any of you younger people get mad at me. i got four of them glaring at me on the front row right here, right now. But what I'm about to say... But I have found this, that the older you get, you start losing your pride a little bit more. Would you say amen to that, some of you older people? Some of you older people can think back over your lives and think about how that maybe you used to be a little bit more prideful than you are now. And how that now as you get older, you've become more humble. You've, you've, sort, of, you've sort of toned it down a little bit. Young people generally have more of a problem with pride than older people. Say amen, congregation. That's just the truth. I think, I, I don't know, but maybe there's a correlation between losing your pride and having to go to a lot, or, a lot of doctor's appointments. Maybe. I don't know. Amen to that, right? And so maybe that's it. But, but it says that ye younger submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. Now, I mentioned earlier, I alluded to this, it, that, that pride looks like this. It's, it's me. It's I. It's what I can do and what I have accomplished. If you ever talk to somebody or run into somebody and their favorite subject is them, they're a prideful person. They've got pride in their heart. I want to give you just a few things as I studied and I, I prayed over this. There was a few things that stuck out to me in my studies that, that are sort of markers of a prideful person. And maybe you can examine yourself and let the Holy Spirit examine you this morning. And if you see some of these things in your life, then maybe you've got some pride in there that, that you, you don't think about. Because again, nobody is going to just stand up and say, I am a prideful person, and yes, I have pride in my life. Sometimes it takes some identification. The first thing that I see in, in prideful people sometimes this is this. The person that is prideful is not teachable. 
Now, to put that in layman's terms, that is this, that somebody that is prideful thinks they know it all, thinks that they've got the answer to every question, that they've got the solution to every problem. They're not teachable. You just can't tell them anything. Have you ever run into anybody like that in your life? Somebody that when you try to tell them something, you might as well go over there and talk to that block wall because they're not going to listen to you. Why won't they listen to you? Because they already know. They've already got it figured out. And so what, what do I see? I see this a lot in our churches, right? I see this when I'm standing in the pulpit and I'm trying to give the Word of God out. I'm trying to feed the flock and people are sitting there and they're like, I already know that. Well, why are you preaching that? I already, I already got that figured out. Yeah, yeah, me and Lord, we've got this thing worked out, and, and I already know. And so they're not teachable. And I, I see this a lot. And again, as you get older, I have found this. I'm only 34 years old, but, but I have found this. That as, as I get older, I, I, I know a lot less than I used to for some reason. I just I haven't figured that out yet, how the, that the older I've gotten, the less I know. And now I've begun, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I was a teenager, teenage boys in particular, is there any teenage boys in here? And everybody looks at Hunter, poor guy. <laughs> poor, I, I feel sorry for you, Hunter. If you want to go sit in the hall, that's fine, buddy. <laughs> but as a teenage boy, when my parents would try to tell me something, first thing I'd do is I'd start ignoring them. And I'd say, well, and I would think in the back of my mind, well, how do they know? Did any of you parents ever deal with kids like that? I can't imagine that anybody had a kid that was like me that was sort of obstinate, sort of bullheaded, maybe a little bit stubborn. And I would do things, and I'd do things that were stupid, and, and I, would, I would go places perhaps that I didn't need to go. And my parents, they would come to me, and for my own good, for my own benefit, they would say, Son, you need to do this. Or, Son, you don't need to do this. And I wouldn't listen to them. You know why I wouldn't listen to them? Because I was proud. Now, I never would have admitted at that time that I was prideful. I would have never said to you, Yes, I've got pride in my heart, but yet I had it. Because I was not teachable. I wouldn't listen and I thought I knew everything. Anybody in here ever dealt with that besides me? Any of you men ever dealt with that? Men are prideful creatures, amen? Some of you women say amen to that right now. Men are prideful too. They think they know it all, especially if they're going somewhere and they get lost, right? That, I mean, that's when men are really prideful. But the next thing is not only are they not teachable, but they seek self-gratification, they want to. They want to. Everybody to 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 talk about them, and they want to. They want to blow their self up. I think about Jesus and how he lived his earthly life. As far as I know, Jesus might have had one change of clothes. I mean, it's hard to tell, but but it says that Jesus actually wore something that was that was just a garment that was sewn from top to bottom. And, and later on they split that, the Romans on the cross. I won't get too deep into that. But if anybody in life had a right to be gratified, it was Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus would walk into a village 
the Son of God, and he would walk up to a blind man and he would heal this blind man. Or he would find a lame man and he would heal them and he would do all these miracles. And many times these people would begin to rejoice. I mean, these people would get happy because they had every right to be happy. And you know what Jesus would tell these people sometimes? Hey, don't, go, don't tell anybody. Just keep this quiet. Jesus would say, you know, he said, tell no man on several occasions. There was not one ounce of pride in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It wasn't something that he had to deal with. It wasn't anything because he was sinless and, and God never resisted Jesus. I mean, that's pretty obvious. So he couldn't have had any pride in his life. If anybody should have been lifted up, if anybody should have been bragged about, if anybody should have, should have had accolades thrown at them, it should have been the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet so many times he would say, don't even tell anybody. He didn't even have a nice house. He didn't, and, and back in those days, he didn't have a nice chariot. He didn't have all these great things. And yet the, he had the, the favor of the people. Somebody that is proud, they say, look at me and look at what I've done. And that leads me to the next thing. And this is, this is so dangerous because this is where pride sends people to hell. Now that gets your attention, right? Here we go. This is where pride will send people to hell. Pride is this, that I can do it on my own. A lot of people, when their pride, when it shows up, is when somebody tries to offer them help. Now, like I said, I'm a man that has dealt with pride on more than one occasion. And, and sometimes it gets to a point where I'll need help with something. This may not even be a major thing. Sometimes I, I do need a lot of help in my life, and, but sometimes it may just be a minor thing. Sometimes I need help finding stuff as a man. And the last thing that I want to do is swallow my pride and go ask my wife where she put it. Any of you men? Amen? No? Everybody's looking at their husband right now. Guys, it's okay. I do it too. All you women know what, you're, know what I'm talking about. And so that's, that's just a little bitty, a tiny, a comical example of pride. How that I'm not even willing to go ask the person that, that God made for me to put us together for a little bit of help. But how much more prideful can you be than get this? You have a, a condition, a, 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 a sin-sick condition, and you're lost. And guess what? The help is there. The help has been offered. The, the, the job's already done, in fact. But yet somebody says, no, I think I'll just try to go at this on my own. I don't understand that. I, I don't understand how people think that they can make it through life. Make it you know, in their marriage and make it in their jobs and, and make it as, as anybody in life without the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I just don't get that, do you? But yet we've become so self-reliant with the power of I. Again, and, and I'll, I'll talk on, on the part of men. 
because I, I'm a man, so I don't. I'm not. I've never been inside the mind of a woman, so I can't can't speak for the the ladies. But I'll say, as men, because of our self reliance, it's it's hard to humble ourselves sometimes and admit that we're wrong. See, self reliance says that I'm right and I can handle this. But salvation, get this, is all about admitting that you're wrong. Salvation is, is, is telling the Lord Jesus Christ that I don't have all of the answers to life's questions. And, and, I, and I don't know what I can do. And so this is what a humble person looks like. Because he says this, he says that God resists the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to whom? The humble. It's this scripture right there that in, in verse 5 he says that God will push the proud away. No more will, will he push them away than on the day of judgment when he has to actually probably push them off and send them to hell. I mean that, that, that's the, the ultimate resistance to pride right there. But he said that, that if you'll just be humble, that he'll give you grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It's something that you do not deserve and yet God is willing to give it to you anyways. And so a humble person sees that they don't have all the answers. And they must be willing to learn. The second thing is that the humble person will do this, is that they'll seek to lift others up. Did you know that? That the humble person is not looking for the accolades. They're not looking for the, 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 you know, the pats on the back and all this. And the humble person will seek to actually lift other people up. But most of all, they admit that they cannot do it on their own. Men that, that uh, and, and women too, and, and especially it says younger, the younger, ye younger, verse number five. Younger people think that they've got it all figured out, and, and it's, it's really hard. I'll say this, I've won several people to the Lord, and it's easier to win a person to the Lord that's already humble. Now what I mean by that is this, is, is, is one of the, the first people that I ever won to the Lord was a guy that, uh, that, was, that had a real bad past, you know, I've told you about him, Alan, and, and how that he had the, the drug problem in the past and all that, but here's the thing about Alan, is, is Alan wasn't a very prideful person because he wasn't super successful in life. Now I'm not trying to, to, I'm not trying to belittle him or anything like that, but, but at the time Alan uh, wasn't doing real great. Several things were going wrong in his life and, and you know his wife, she, she wasn't exactly happy with him and he didn't have a whole lot of money, he didn't have a whole lot of possessions. And so he was sort of already a little bit humble. And so it was pretty easy to just take the gospel to him and present it to him and say, you know what you need is, is Jesus, because he didn't have all that pride in his life. But somebody that's really successful, somebody that's done a lot of things on their own and, and they've done many things and everything seems to be going well. You know, their marriage is going right and their house is paid for and the bills are paid and, and maybe they've got some money in the bank and all this. When you, when you start running into people like that, that's, that's the people that it's really hard to give the gospel to. Anybody agree with that? Would you agree with that statement? You have to peel those layers of pride back. And get somebody who's been right most of their life to admit that they're wrong. 
and then get them to admit that they are in need of a Savior. But more oftentimes than not, it seems that when somebody comes under the conviction of the Holy Ghost, the first thing that steps in their way, it's not the, 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 the sins that they've committed, it's not that it, the, the thing that steps in their way is not the way they treat their wife or, or maybe it's not the way that they do things wrong. The thing that steps in their way is their pride, right? I mean, when, when God convicts somebody, and, uh, and Daniel, come here for a second. Daniel's not very prideful, okay? I'm, I'm not using him as, as an example of pride. But let's say Daniel, I want you to stand right there on that front row. When, when Daniel... Daniel gets under conviction. Let's just say I've preached a message and, and Daniel's gotten under conviction. Now, Daniel's saved. You saved, Daniel? You know you're going to heaven, right? You ever commit a sin? <laughs> Way to put somebody on the spot, right? Man, that's terrible. I shouldn't do that. So I preach a message on whatever it is. And uh, maybe Daniel is saved and maybe the guy next to him's lost and, and I preach a gospel message, whatever it may be. And I say, it, it's time to admit that you're wrong and come, come to grips with that and come to the altar and get right with God. Whether that's get right with God through salvation or whether it's get right with God through, through maybe getting out of your backslidden state and coming forward to Him and, and you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know that there's some decisions you need to make and, and maybe you've become a little bit teachable and you understand and then you go to take that step forward and then, oh, here comes your pride. And your pride gets a hold of you. And your pride starts making excuses for you. Right? Has anybody ever been there? I've been there before where I had sin in my life. And I knew that I needed to make things right with God. And, and yet I would be ready to make that step. I'd be ready to come forward. And yet my, my pride would rear its ugly little head and give me a thousand excuses why I shouldn't make things right with God. Amen, Romy. <laughs> And, and here's, what the, here's what pride tells you. And pride, will, it'll stand here. And you, you've seen the little cartoons, you know, where you got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. I don't really like that representation. But, but it's, it, in a little bit, it's like that. And pride will stand here next to you. And it'll grip you real hard. And it's going to start saying things like, what are this, what's this person going to think? You're supposed to be living a righteous life. These, it, man, if you go to the altar on a message about pride, people are going to think you deal with pride. If you go to, to the altar on a message that deals with marital trouble, people are going to think you're having marital trouble. If you go to the altar with this and that and, and all this or, or whatever it may be, then and, and how about this one? Let's say Daniel's lost. I know Daniel's not lost. I know Daniel's saved. But let's say for a minute, Daniel's lost. And Daniel gets under conviction and, 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 says, and the Holy Spirit says, let's go pray. Pride's going to tell him this. Those people have thought you were saved for years. Even though you never had a confession of Christ in your life. And so pride takes over. And Daniel, he just, he just stands here with his hands in his pockets just stares blankly into space, wishing for the service to be over, and then he leaves exactly how he got here. You can go sit down now. Thank you, buddy. Pride wants you to leave the church like just the same way you got to the church. Pride doesn't want you to admit that you're wrong and that you're subject to be wrong sometimes. 
Pride doesn't want you to admit that there may be problems in your life that you cannot solve. All these things that we deal with every day, it, it may, I mean, it could be anything. It could be financial trouble. It could be marital trouble. It could be uh, anything in your life. And we're trying to figure it out. And we'll say, well, I, I don't really want to bother God with this or, or, or whatever it is. And we think we can overcome it with the power of our mind. The, the, the power of our strength. And yet we can't. And so many people remain unsaved. So many people remain backslidden. So many people live in their sin when they know that they should not because they're too prideful to turn it over to God. And they'll say, well, I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it later. I'll do it next Sunday. I'll do it this and that. No, you won't. Just, just, quit, just quit putting it off. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to gotta take a big old dose of humility, don't you, and swallow your pride. That's not easy. I mean, it, it's hard to swallow your pride. It really is. I know it is. But we've got to do it. Because if you're going to live as a Christian, if you're going to live like the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to live, guess what? You have to be clothed with humility. Then it has to be the garment that you wear that you have to show yourself a humble person. This doesn't mean that you're, as a Christian you're a doormat, that people can just walk all over you. That's, that's not what this is saying. But what it is saying is that we have to realize that we're not as high and mighty as we think we are. Now you remember this. I'm going to give you a little something to humble you this morning. Is that okay? Can you all take one more, one more little thing here? I talked earlier about how we like to compare ourselves with other people. Didn't I? I did mention that. I hope. And I say that, that we like to, to measure up, you know, and say, well, man, I look at so-and-so and... And, and, I, and I read my Bible a lot more than they do. And I'm a lot more faithful to church than they are. And this and that. We can start comparing ourselves to other people. And we get a little prideful. And we get, you know, kind of high and mighty on ourselves. You ever try to compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, you, you remember that part in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What that verse means is simply this, that, that when you come short, that means that, that, you're, that you have to measure up, that you have to be measured up against the Lord Jesus Christ. That your righteousness, your self-sufficiency has to measure up against His. Now anybody with half a brain that has read the Bible to any extent and knows anything about God and, and knows anything... It would be really obvious to them that we cannot measure up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But yet, somehow, some way we act like we do. And we live in our sins and, and we live a prideful life. But when you, and, and if you want to come to the altar this morning, I'd love you to come to the altar. And I'm about to give the invitation in just a minute. But as we examine ourselves this morning, try to measure up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand yourself up next to Him.
hey, ask yourself these, these things, these questions that I've asked you. I mean, are you a teachable person? Are you, are you seeking gratification? Are you self-reliant? All these things. Do you compare yourself to other people and think you measure up well? If that's you, then I'm going to give you the, 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 the diagnosis this morning. You've got a problem with pride. You may not think it's a problem, but it is. And it will prevent you from living your life to the fullness in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, this is, this is a difficult message to, to process. And this is, this is not easy stuff. But it is so important. It is, this, is, this is just of the utmost importance this morning that we realize that if, if we have pride in our life, that you may be resistant to us. And God, that you may actually push us away instead of drawing us closer. And that's not a situation that I want to find myself in. And God, I pray that you would help some people this morning. And that you, I know you're already dealing with people. I can just feel it. That, that, you're, the, that you're the Holy Spirit's been dealing with some people on some things. And God, I just pray that people would push their pride out of the way. And they wouldn't care what anybody thinks. And that the only person that they would seek to, uh, to, to uh, glorify and to gratify is you and not themselves. And that the only approval that they should seek is from you. And the only way to get your approval is to be humble. To have their heart right with you. Whether that be somebody that may be not as close to you, maybe in a backslidden state. Or, or God, if there's somebody lost here this morning, that they would understand that their pride could be the very thing that's keeping them out of heaven when they die. What an awful thought. Lord, help us to overcome our pride through your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Brother Cecil, sing.